Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. It's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. They will do you a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Dan, Michael, along with Moscow here as well in the studio. If you're watching the video version, Moscow is showing you our new mag. It's got the Levi Solicitors advert on the back. There you go. All the information in case you weren't listening. It's out for the Nottingham Forest game, which is mm. yesterday. Mm. We sold, <laughs> sold loads, didn't we? Yes, that worked out really well for us, planning in a new match for that. But thankfully, there's another home game very soon. Is there when? Is there? <laughs> no, it's not for about three weeks. And then after that, it goes, goes silly again, doesn't it? The good news is that a well-made magazine is timeless. So people will enjoy this no matter what day they get it. But if they wanted to go on the website and get it now so that they're not cluttering the place up because we've got thousands of unsold copies right now don't mm. we yeah. I'll, get, I'll get a subscription yeah because they just get them straight away we don't even have to think about those we just those people who subscribe are just so great that we just give them gifts that they've bought and paid for um every month well if, not every month yeah, every if, you are, five if you're a subscriber weeks, i remember we'll we'll do, we do appreciate it by the way and you if you're a tsb plus member you can read that magazine digital version of that and all the ones we've done since 2009 they've got better uh, I will say, on the website now as part of your membership. Obviously, you get the daily email from Moscow. Extra podcast as well on the Extra Ball this week. Double header. We ended up talking about the transfer window and went on so bloody long. We've split it into two shows because that's how kind we are to you. Um, the squareball.net forward slash plus for details on that. Uh, everything's cancelled. Mm. Cancel culture. Everything's cancelled now. Uh, what do you reckon? Well, I personally wouldn't. I know we spoke about this yesterday with Phil in probably more grown-up terms than we're going to today. I didn't see the point of cancelling it, is the short version of it. When loads of other stuff was going on, the world carried on, essentially, didn't it, other than football? Yeah. So it seemed weird that football was picked on as the thing that had to be cancelled, because cricket went on, golf went on, rugby went on, football, too much fun. People have too much fun at football, so that has to be cancelled. Whereas yeah. it feels like, because people aren't enjoying the other sports as much, <laughs> or on the same scale... They're okay to go ahead. Other sports, not as good, is what we're saying. Essentially, I think. Yeah. Well, they're not. They're not not as good, but people don't. I think people don't generally look like they're having maybe as much of a good time at the minute, and they're just lower profile, aren't they? They're not on. They're not on Sky. 
sports news like 24 hours a day. And around the world. Yeah, and around the world. Whereas it's it felt like football was like, no, that's a bit that's a bit too big. You're not allowed that. I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd gone Premier League and Championship cancelled. League One, you can f- just carry on with that. No one's really watching. Yeah, kids not being able to play in parks seemed yeah. a bit much. And getting all the way down to Sunday League and stuff, I think it probably... Although Eton did play. Well, did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> um, even though... Are they, they're outside the rules then, are they? It seems, seems like it. They were, I mean, they were under the auspices of the ESFA, is it East Sussex? I don't know where they are. So it was, you know, they should technically not have been playing. But they, they played and they'll probably all get a turn at Prime Minister. Um, <laughs> so there's absolutely no problems there. I don't know. It was like part of me thinks, I was actually surprised that it didn't come from the top, from the, the royal family saying 10 days of mourning ahead, everything stops. Um, and that would have kind of ended the argument. But then once it became, well, we're not actually that bothered and you can play. I'm not, are you paraphrasing there? I'm not sure it was, we're not that bothered. Well, there was, there was, well, rugby, cricket, horse racing all went ahead and nothing bad happened. Like nobody's, there's been no like adverse repercussions for those games going ahead. So the, it seems acceptable that sport could continue. So I'm going to, yeah, I'll stick to, we're not bothered. Because they don't seem bothered. Um, they, they let it happen. And with that license, and part of it is now hindsight because now we know that the game against Scum is off as well. I would have done it the other way around that it does need hindsight because part of that as well is they didn't know when they were going to do the funeral and when they were going to call off um, the Scum game and which games were going to be going ahead or not. But the thing about um, the weekend just gone when there was no football is without football, it didn't seem to inspire for me at least, a great deal of mourning and introspection. And I'm not really aware of that being the case. Like people just try to find something else to to fill the time because part of it was up until probably this week, it didn't really sink in. I wouldn't call it shock as such, but I feel like there wasn't really a, I didn't really get a proper handle on it, like that the Queen has actually died and what a big deal that is. And football being football and the power it has and the things it can do, I can easily imagine football fans being brought together for Premier League matches, football league matches, um, and those minute silences and the singing of the national anthem and anything else that would have gone on being the moment that actually makes it real. We think, oh, actually, Mm. shit. It could have been a defining moment. I'm here with 30,000 other people and now I get it. Instead, it just kind of drifted. It was kind of just finding something to watch on TV and something else to do and not really thinking about it, but that moment of focus. Um, I, there was a tweet about the West Ham game that went out on Thursday night, which on the one hand was hilarious because it was the most West Ham tweet ever. It was about how um, they'd been pictures of the Queen on the, the big screen and Bobby Moore and singing of the national anthem. And the person who tweeted it said, I'm sure lots of other people like me were thinking about the war. I was like, bloody hell, the East End is just abs- <laughs> playing up to its... Um, Anything about the craze or... It played up to pretty much every other stereotype. But how valuable and great for the people who were there to experience that and probably think now to come together at a time like this. And then the time to call the games off is then this weekend coming because it makes much more sense with the funeral on Monday and the policing issues that are obviously causing a lot of headaches for a lot of people and even Sky TV saying they can't find all the outside broadcast trucks that they need to to cover both 
the national event of the funeral on Monday and the weekend's football that they are doing, that by when things have sunk in and also there's time during this week to arrange things for next weekend. So you can say, right, the football is off in the two days before the funeral and instead you can all go to the village green flagpole, yeah, and do a thing if that's what you want to do. <laughs> and a bit of a chance to prepare stuff because Thursday going into Saturday last week, you know, it, it was still just nobody really... When was it announced? Late on Thursday. It was Thursday, 6.30pm, yeah. You got Friday, everybody's milling around going like, well, what's going to happen this weekend? Our game's going to be on. Is this going to happen? Is that not? And then it's Saturday and nobody's really got any time to organise anything. Yeah. Whereas there's a, there's a chance for uh, next weekend to have been that point. But it won't be because everybody's going to be watching Brentford. Yeah. So it all just seemed uh, quite the wrong way around well, in the end. I mentioned it um well, I steered the conversation in this direction, but we never went anywhere with it on the on the Phil Hayes show. Just say it kind of shines a light on the idea of you know, like imposed mourning, which is what it is. Mm. Some people m- may genuinely want to mourn, and you know, fair enough, respectful of that. You're well within your rights to do so. Other people not so affected by it, mm. just want to want to crack on. That that seemed to be broadly, as you were describing there, Moscow, the the response to it at the weekend. Like, well, we need to do something. What do we do now? It's weird because it's obviously of massive significance historically because it's you know the only monarch the vast majority of people have lived through, but. On the other hand, it's not surprising because she was incredibly old. So yeah. it's not like there's yeah. the. It, it's like when a you know a grandparent dies or something. It's sort of it's it's the natural order of things. So you you're obviously there are people sad about it, but not it's not mourning in the same way as like when I think about well think about Diana as well in 1997. Well, yeah. If you're if you're old enough to remember that the the shock that that caused because she was 36 years old mm. and princesses that were 36 didn't just die mm. and that caused a huge shockwave. This didn't, did it? It felt like, well, it's been coming for a while because of her age. Still shocking because it's so unprecedented, mm. isn't it? It's, it's a one, it's one person, and it's only once in our lifetime. And you, and I think back to, and, and to compare it to other moments of of grief within within a Leeds context as well. I think to sort of Gary Speed being the more recent yeah. one, Chris and Kev, obviously a lot a lot further back, but they were more they were incredibly shocking things and really connected to the to the club. But they were they were night they were in the way sort of uniting moments and there were really memorable games to have been at. I was at the Forest away game, which was the one straight after um, Gary had died and then the home game afterwards with Batty and McAllister and Strack and everything. That was the Millwall game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, the, and they were like incredibly memorable moments, weirdly, even though it was for a kind of a horrible reason. It was it was a weird moment of coming together and, and I think that has been lost as well. The potential mm-hmm. people, I know, it, yeah. I know it wouldn't have been quite as unifying because I think Everyone within Ellen Road loved Gary Speed, and I don't think everyone in Ellen Road loves the Queen to the same extent. But some people do, possibly. And yeah, but that's and, that's where you trust football fans to do the right thing, and I think that's where the FA have kind of proven themselves to be very out of touch with the game that they're in charge of. Because I mean, I wouldn't describe myself as a, a monarchist by any means. I think I'm in the camp that thinks Queen Elizabeth, you know, can't fault her effort. She's a, a great monarch a great bunch of monarchs as as they come. But it's not beyond me to um to shut my face for two minutes at a football match while there's a moment of grief and silence to remember somebody who, even if it is just the fact that she's always been there and always on the on the money, like and on the stamps. And you're kind of just because of the way that our society is constructed, you have a relationship to uh, the Queen of some thought of some sort that would make you, gives you pause to think, you know, 
um, about whatever it is that kind of remembrance or or that would mean to you personally. But the Football Association's decision that there shouldn't be any games when I think every football fan of any kind of opinion on a monarchy or not is aware that there could have been real special times this weekend to mark it. It would have been fine is basically what I'm trying to say. Mm. Football fans are very good at self-policing. You know, if anybody had tried to raise the voice at Elland Road, they would have been shut down very, very quickly. And I don't think anybody would. No, I don't either. It's, I think most, most people in particular, with the combination of just a general sense of decorum around yeah. these things, people wouldn't. And then also, even if that's not the case, the possibility that someone around you might just turn around and clout you would also be a very yeah. real possibility. And, and, you can't, and you can't take the edgelords on Twitter all trying to outdo each other as, as, as a temperature for how people yeah. behave around no. one another properly because no. you're accountable to the people around you, aren't you, when you're actually out in real society and not behind a keyboard. I mean, on, a, on a national level, I know there have been a few high-profile people arrested and things, for, but it's actually really, really minor things. Like Considering the monarchy is something that we all live under and pretty much everyone has an opinion one way or another, like 99.99999% of people have just gone, well, if I don't particularly like the Queen, I'll probably just stay quiet for a bit. Yeah. If I do, I'll get involved in it. I mean, it's completely, it's an acceptance of how we are. As a, it's weird how, because it's so long, the Queen put in an incredible shift. And that means it's so long since anybody has lived through anything like this. That's what I meant about, I wouldn't have been surprised if, if the uh, the word had come from the very top from the Buckingham Palace and said nothing happens because it's it's the Queen. There is nobody more important that you cannot you know you can compare it to Princess Diana, but it's not Princess Diana. It is the actual Queen. It's the and not just any Queen, but a Queen that we've lived with for seventy years. Um, we've never known a, a different one. Many of us. So that's just. Um, she's the it's unprecedented, isn't it? Yes, yeah. even historic, even going back to hundreds of years ago, where you feared the regent, like none of them ruled as long. Life um, expectancy of about thirty-five, exactly. So we're into completely uncharted territory in a an era that is completely unused to anything like this happening, and thinks it's used to it because we've been through things like Princess Diana dying and, and any other big kind of news events during the time. But there is nothing like this in our society that is anywhere close 10 days of mourning it's kind of abstract because we were in an era of 280 characters fired off in seconds aren't yeah we, you know? and also because it's kind of not Scrolling. really manifested itself in anything apart from the football being yeah. cancelled like mm. where is the actual 10 days of mourning why isn't anybody actually doing anything like something well, well there's a lot tied up stopped. in pomp, pomp and ceremony though isn't there as it, well That's and even of, yeah. even 30 years ago 10 days of mourning because every time i've turned normal telly on it's been something about the queen but as a result, I've just not really watched any normal telly. And it's mm. not like you would have been able to, at one point, switch off other things. You could have said, well, the radio is just going to be talking about this, the TV is going to be talking about this. And it probably would have been the case 30 years ago. But now everyone's. it feels to me like most people have just gone, well, I'll just do one of the other many things that I have available to me, rather, yeah. rather than sit and be sad about this. So then when, um, and that's where it feels like a big misunderstanding from the Football Association of the culture of the sport that they run. because there, right there, would have been a huge national expression of collective mourning that would have gone off beautifully. And, um, and you know, again, speaking of somebody who's not particularly uh, 
a monarchist, it would have been a beautiful thing to be part of and just to experience that even Because they're, mo- they're powerful moments, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. I've had several of them, yeah, yeah. And, um, and you know, we, there's a lot to talk about people's opinions of it, but there's a, a time and place for your opinions and there's a time and place to kind of experience um, what you are living through and it just got cancelled out of... Um, fear? Well, Panic, was it? It does seem like the, the decision was this fear of not being seen to do the right thing. I think if they could do it again, I think they'd probably play those games. I think exactly. having, I think so having the wrong decision. I think having seen the reaction to it, I think it, I think a lot of people, a lot of not just within football, that I saw sort of Hackney Borough had cancelled some event as well, and there were people mm. like going, "We've catered for three hundred people for this. What the, what the fuck are we supposed to do now?" Kind of thing. And, yeah. and there are legitimate questions around that as well, like around the the number of people who have will have bought plane tickets and match tickets to game come and see these games and booked hotels and trains and. It's kind of inconsiderate to people to go, well, actually, no, we think this is more important. We don't care that you may have spent X amount on this and have made all these plans. We think this is more important. And I I feel like that has misjudged it slightly as well. Mm. That people have, I don't know, it feels like particularly at this, this time when nice things are maybe a bit few and far between for people. Since I just on the catering, it reminds me, credit to the club for giving the food to the food bank as well. All the yeah. excess food that they bought in for the Forest game. Yeah, but stuff like that, it's massive logistical operations for these things yeah. and, so to, and so to go oh, we think it's probably safer just to not because I think it was a, I think it was a safety decision they made they thought well, we don't want this to re- receive badly so we'll do the reputation rather than safety because safety implies that yeah. they gave a fuck yeah. about yeah. anybody but no, it's more about oh, no. fear well, for their reputation I was going to say nobody wants to piss off the Daily Mail do they that's about yeah, the size of it but, um, but that, again that's uh, the fact that it's so easy to read it as a mistake um, doesn't fill you with confidence in the people who run the football association. Has anything changed on that front? Then? No, but no. it's just, it's a reminder that you know the people in charge of the game don't get it if they don't mm. realise how good it could have been and only focused on how bad it might have been. Then they're going to keep making bad decisions about football because they're not making decisions from the point of view of fans. Yeah, I mean, it's know. no surprise that fans get screwed over because I mean, this is the the death of a queen. This is a this is a big thing. They're quite happy to screw fans over for because Sky want a game to kick off at midday on a Sunday or whatever, aren't they? Because yeah. so yeah, yeah. the fact that they've done it for something like this is is not at all surprising. Yeah, let's have a word then about the the, the shape of the season because this has um, reshaped an already strangely shaped season, hasn't it? In that we've had this clump of games at the start and then none for a month, <laughs> and then we're going to have nine games between going back and the World Cup. Nothing then till Christmas. It's um, it's a strange old thing, is it? It feels like it's never. As a season, it's probably not going to get started until about March. The first international break's always too soon anyway. Yeah. I, I think that every year I always think, oh, already? We don't need a break yet. It's just getting going. So now we've got two cancelled games into an international break. It's just it's just really stupid. <laughs> it's, a, it's an already... I mean, the, the, the Qatar World Cup is a problem in this because it's not allowed really for the scope for something like this to happen. I was going to say, yeah, had that, had that World Cup not been there, it would probably have like been far, far less disruptive and you would have gone, okay, well, fair enough. It's not great, but... We'll resume things in a couple of weeks. And it's less of an issue for us because we don't have European football or probably any, any cup runs to, to fit in here. But for like for Man City or someone actually trying to fit who will probably go deep into all of the competitions they're in, it's probably actually going to be quite hard to find slots for all these games that they've that they've had to move on. Should we just cancel the World Cup? I would have been in favour of that at any point. Just cancel this one. Go again next time. Well, December can just be... Leeds versus Nottingham Forest. And <laughs> Fine. 
away to school, those two games, that would be more than satisfy be all right. um, my needs in December. Yeah, rather than, what's he going to mean? Three games a day of a bunch of, um, I mean, there's only about a week between, if it's even that, between the end of mm. the last Premier League game and the start of the World Cup. So the World Cup is shaping up to be in a, um, a climate that is ill-suited to it in stadiums that have been built upon the death of thousands of migrant workers with played between teams who have had no time to prepare tactically, who are all knackered from their domestic league seasons. None of it sort of points itself to being, oh, there's going to be some really good matches, Isn't aren't it there? Vintage tournament this Yeah, one, it's just going to be nil-nil every day and like players exhausted by the 70th minute trying to get to the end of the match. I had this thought the other day though, Moscow, like, what if players have kind of been holding back just that little couple of percent at the start of the season because they've got the World Cup coming up and then they're going to be holding back a little bit in the World Cup because they know they've got the season to resume after that. And it's, it doesn't make for doesn't make for good football, does it? Even if it's a subconscious thing rather than a, mm. an effort where they say, I'm, I'm going to pull out of that challenge or I'm not going to go in quite as hard there. Or I think the kind of overriding thing of this podcast is that people running the game are fucking idiots. Yeah. And have messed this up in multiple ways now. I mean, the fact that they've allowed a World Cup to be in Qatar in the middle of a season is unforgivable, in my opinion. It should never have happened in the first place. People should, they should have made that announcement and teams should have gone, yeah, we're not doing that. That's stupid. That's obviously been bought. So let's not, just let's just not play that one. Let's have our own tournament. Let's have it somewhere, let's have it somewhere sensible with some people who like football already there and some stadiums that already exist. That sounds a bit like uh, and you have and to give sort of a Super League there, Michael. And a, <laughs> and a climate that is acceptable to play in summer when it always is. It's just, it was so obviously always going to get moved, even though they, when they initially won the bid, they were saying, oh, we'll do all this stuff with air-conditioned stadiums, artificial clouds, all these things. Mm. No, just move it. Everyone it is, everyone can move around it. It is all just a symptom of, um, well, dare I broach the subject, but Bielsa used to, was talking about this a lot last season, wasn't he, when he was being asked about fixture congestion. He was kind of saying, we'll wait until next season when it's, it's competing commercial interests because the the... Premier League is run by these people and they have these sponsors and these broadcasters. The European tournaments are run by UEFA and they have these uh, sponsors and these broadcasters. And Good the guys World like Cup, Gazprom. Yes, and then the World Cup is run by FIFA and that has these sponsors and these broadcasters and they all need to get their their money out of this. And so they all need to put on enough games to make enough money and that means the players have to keep playing for the FA, for the UEFA, for FIFA in tournament after tournament after tournament without a break and what's his uh, every governing body is basically in hock to someone aren't they Who, yeah. someone owes they owe money to someone and they're trying to satisfy all of this we've landed back on the point of shut it all down and start again haven't we which, <laughs> which we end up at a good, several times a season <laughs> basically yeah so I'm looking forward to it <laughs> well, I mean well, that's and also we've got so basically we've got a tournament that when it is played has VAR which 95% of people don't want then it's we've got a World Cup played at a time and a place that people don't want, and we've got a round of postponed games that no one wanted either. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Did you say, by the way, the VAR in Italy this week, Juventus, Mm. my word... No mistakes will be made. Did, but did, you, did you hear what the um, the explanation was that the VAR? If you haven't seen it, by the way, it's the it was it would have been the last minute goal for Juventus to win three two, and corner was taken. There was a guy out by the corner trying to block it, wasn't there? Who played everybody on side in mm-hmm. the middle, but the VAR didn't look at that angle. It wasn't provided to the VAR, mm. and to add an additional layer of. Um... Of comedy to it, I suppose it was that the player who scored got sent off for taking his shirt off. Second yellow, wasn't it? Yeah. In a goal that was then disallowed, that shouldn't have been. And then two more players were sent off as well as really? Juventus's manager. Yeah, yeah, there was mm. the big yeah, all kicked off. All the kerfuffle afterwards. Right, I didn't see all that. Um, the referee, it understandably kicked off. Would you believe? Was, uh, it was quite difficult to understand who he was or wasn't sending off because, let's say, well, this is a video thing, but if you two had been uh, messing about, say, and I was going to show a red card, he kind of waved it in between people and those people go like is this me and the commentators are all trying to work out who's who's off but um, I think it drilled down to I checked sounds the, like a classic Shakespearean fast I right? checked the stats the next day and I think it was two Juventus players and one Salernitana player and then the manager went off and I think some of the staff as well it was oh it's fun I mean it was fun that's the one <laughs> thing you can say for VAR is it does sometimes introduce these elements of uh just you know entertainment chaos chaos yeah we're all yeah. talking about it and um that's what it's there for we're not yeah. admittedly we're not talking about you know a great goal and even the the decision on the offside because it was um Chiellini wasn't it had gone for a header and not connected with it so he'd not actually touched the ball and he was the one who was offside but because he'd gone for this header it was enough interference to judge it even but then rig- disregarding whether this guy was playing them all onside in the corner I'm such a Pissy reason to rule the goal last night as well. It was, a, it was a good header and a, a fun goal. In a, um, they'd been two 0 down. Juventus and came back. Should have been three two, but then it's two two and all the suspensions and all the stuff and uh, yeah, crazy time. I mean, if the the World Cup is going to be that much fun, yeah, that's true. Maybe it needs some like deliberate sabotage. I mean, we're all we're all down talking down on football here, but there is one major upside to this: is that if we don't play any games, we don't need a, a striker or a left back, do we? That is true. We can maybe... Um, well, think how much uh, Nonto came on in the two weeks between Marsh saying he wasn't Premier League ready mm. and then deciding he was our new signing. He's now got a month, basically. Mm. Think how much he's going to improve in that time. We've Go- now got... Golden boots. Uh, <laughs> nine games until the January window and then... Um, so 16 games will have been played. Well, how many are we supposed to play? 38. 38 minus 16. Mm-hmm. One. 22? Yeah. Although there is there is one on Boxing Day, so that does fall just before the window. Okay, so, but we'll have so ten games. So we'll have played seventeen, I think, or okay. thereabouts, and then which leaves yeah, twenty one. So 
basically we can limp so we'll to the January we'll window. 21 games with Cody Gakpo, won't we? Yes. Mm. Which, exactly. will be, which will be fun. Um, looking forward to that. Hey, um, Tommy Tuchel got fired, didn't he? That uh, feels like quite old news now. And Potter left Brighton to go to Chelsea, which feels, I think, all round like a good move for Leeds. Well, we've, we've played our role in both of those things, haven't we? We've, we've battered Tuchel and then we've, we've allowed Potter to win to get mm. his move. Made him look good. Exactly. Because you could easily, and if you've been fair, argue that Brighton have overperformed as a result of Potter's influence. Because they are exceptionally well run. They've recruited really, really well. They're obviously coached very, very well. They've pretty much progressed from nine wins to a few more than nine wins. They've mm. got the customary nine wins in the Premier League for a couple of years, didn't they? Now they're kind of... A couple? Yeah, 20. Moving on and doing quite well. So I think taking Potter out of there is good because it should, in theory, weaken Brighton. They'll chew him up and spit him out, will Chelsea? Yeah. I feel, I feel almost certain. It might take... I mean, no one lasts more than like two years at Chelsea, do they? People generally come in win something players get annoyed about something manager gets sacked it moves on they seem annoyingly Chelsea have done this and they seem to always keep winning stuff but I suspect now with Abramovich out of the way and not quite so much cash they don't seem short of cash I know but I reckon he'll get bored of spending money when he sees the shit Mm. whereas I I felt like under Abramovich he he was just willing to chuck endless amounts of money and I'm not sure they've been spending it well either because apparently Bowley isn't it the guy who owns it was annoyed they didn't get Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, well, I mean, they bought Aubameyang for Tuchel, didn't they? Like a, a week, a week before sacking him, and he can't have been. I know they didn't spend another fee. It was I don't even know what the fee was. Is it alone? But it won't be much anyway. But the, his wages will be astronomical. Three hundred thousand a week or yeah. something daft, isn't it? So, so they've committed to that for a player the new manager probably doesn't want. Probably just go want to go and sign um, one of Brighton's non-scoring strikers. And, and you'll know from the transfer. I think was it towards deadline day or close to it that Billy Gilmore left. Chelsea to go to Brighton to work under Graham Potter I think at the advice of Thomas Tuchel and obviously you've seen what's happened there and, and Potter's ended up at, at Chelsea and he's apparently he's gutted now don't want to be in Brighton anymore <laughs> oh dear oh well yeah it, business, mean, hopefully this is not that I have anything against Brighton but hopefully it's the end of them being a half decent they'll oh. have somebody lined up they'll, they'll just They've got that smug efficiency about them now, haven't they? Where <laughs> it gets one even better somehow. Yeah, exactly. And it'll be somebody, they'll, they'll pluck somebody out of a... They'll... It'll be that Danish second division or something. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was going to do like a Thomas Christensen type, but but it'll work. It'll succeed massively. They'll probably get Carlos Corberan in <laughs> and it'll just click and everything will fall into place and it'll be beautiful. And Billy Gilmore will win Ballon d'Or. It'll be mad. And then the only thing I can hope about with... Uh, Potter is with the timelines is if you can stay at Chelsea and sort of just do a bad enough job that it doesn't completely ruin his reputation and then or, or they just run out of patience Moscow maybe yeah. Yeah, yeah and then if you know they don't quite win the Champions League they're knocked out in the semi-finals or something and, but to keep him sort of within the reach that when Leeds are up for, next up for a managerial change he could be tempted to Elland Road because I think we all quite secretly quite like the idea of Graham Potter and that's you know, all I'm saying about Jesse Marsh is it's an inevitable cycle of football management. Like, he will be doing incredibly well to still be here in three years because the Premier League is like that. And but if, um, all, we'll, if everything lines up and that we'll, way. And the World Cup back on home turf as well. I imagine that will be quite an allure if the America job comes up. Yes. Yeah, so he's got the... Um, um, I mean, he could leave us in a blaze of glory to go and manage the United States, which I think he would be quite keen to do, um, particularly if it's uh, at home and then we we'll pluck Graham Potter and so we'll, we'll be happy with uh, with the one Europa League trophy that 
Marsh wins for us, and then he can move on to uh, lower lower his standards yep. and manage the, the United States men's national team. <laughs> and we'll take uh, Graham Potter uh, to get him ready for the England job so we can take it over from Stephen Gerrard. Yep. Has Frank Lampard has turned by then? He's not getting it. Are you sure? I'm going to manage Scotland. Are you sure? Um, we've had a few international call-ups, haven't we? The big sexy pirate... Um, yeah, ongoing these, so there might be more. Is he a se- big sexy pirate you've put on the sheet here, Michael? Or is he, uh, I mean, sad pirate has been one of the... Well, I think he's a big sexy pirate myself. Yeah. This is uh, Pascal Strauch, in case anyone he's, is... Everyone knows. In case anyone's anyone's new to this. He's just a big pirate last night. Someone called, him a, se- someone called him a sexy pirate, I'm sure they did. He can, but can he be both? Can he be big and sexy? I mean, and he the can't, pirate. Well, he can't help being big. Triple threat. Sadness can, um, can be quite sexy as well. Like if it mm. feels like a deep well of emotion. Yeah, like he's off a... A perfume advert, or yeah, something. very soulful eyes, mm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, big sexy pirate or big sexy sad pirate, whichever provisional Netherlands squad. A blow for the other Benelux nations, as we mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. Luxembourg gutted, mm. um, and Indonesia. Uh, Chris Klaassen and Leo Yelder for Norway's twenty ones. Clickies in the Poland squad. Any other ones that we need to mention? Calvin Phillips. No. <laughs> he played in the Champions League. Pat Bamford not in the. Um... Bless him. Not in the England squad. Not he should yet. be. Jackie should be. They've, Did, not announced, uh, they've not announced the England squad yet, have they? Oh, if Ollie Watkins is in it, that's going to hurt. I'm not thinking of Ollie Watkins. I'm thinking of Ivan Tony. If Ivan Tony's in it, that's going to mm. hurt. Get me ex Brentford strikers mixed up. One of whom isn't even an ex Brentford striker yet. <laughs> I need to stop talking at this point. Probably. What I mean is, any other striker being in the England squad is a straight insult to Pat Bamford and he should protest. I mean, Tony probably should be in it. Why? Don't buy into the Thomas Frank hype. Oh, he's the best penalty taker in the world. Shut your mouth. He's obviously good. Uh, got to be good to score so many goals past our um, international uh, defence. Rock solid defence. Mm. I mean, we've got, we had, did we have four internationals, full internationals in that defence against Brentford? Big sexy sad pirate at left back. We mm. had Urente, Cock, Spanish, German, and then... Cody Drama. Ah, uh, yeah. I was going to say, Christensen <laughs> wasn't there, was he? No, but he, it means... But Cody, Cody Drama's played in two countries. Does that make him an international? He's played in Wales and England. Yes. Good. We'll go with that. Okay. Um, speaking of um, people playing in other countries, Jean-Kevin Augustin. His first two goals for three years. He's, uh, Bless he him. He is back. He is back. Just in time to come home. I mean... Well, if he was good then, he can be good now. Seriously, what, what are Cass playing at? The Court for Arbitration for Sport about this decision. I think they don't want to make a decision now. I've, I've reached this point where they're just like, ah, yeah, I'll be out soon. Hmm. Does seem weird. It's taken so long. They have a backlog. I don't know. Trying to get through all the other cases. I don't think we're the only case they're dealing with. Mm. True. I I don't know what their process is. Whether they hear it and then it goes into a a conveyor belt of cases until somebody makes a decision. But what's important is Jean Kevin is healthy again, scoring goals. He has really enjoyed these goals as well because from his Leeds time, I still follow him on Instagram, and since he scored them. He's just con- he's just posting clips of him over and over and over again from every every crowd shot there is of it, every TV replay, all good the on. angles with scroll. all the angles with John Kevin. Wouldn't you? I suppose so. They weren't very good goals to be honest. Don't matter. Ball in the net. <laughs> you saw um, Pat Bamford against Cagliari. Big mm-hmm. grin on his face when he just it, I mean, was that a good goal? It's not a right goal, wasn't it? But mm-hmm. he just stuck the ball in the net and big grin. And that had only been uh, six months since mm-hmm. Brentford when he. Did his hamstring celebrating it? Three years with uh, old John Kevin, and um, I think the whole uh, he got COVID. Then he got some of the weird um, illness off the back of that, didn't he? And then he's got people suing each other over who owns him and trying to 
play and all that. And kind denials of stuff. about doing balloons and passing out. His legs had uh, seized up because you're doing balloons. Um, <laughs> Which I think was denied. We should stress. Strong. Well, because it wasn't true. Yeah. Um, so he's been through it, hasn't he? Bless him. He's He's been a busy lad. Um, I hope he scores have, many, many more goals. Have you seen we've done the uh, the old Phil Hay trick and we've rescued a Scottish child from north of the border? Yes. Leeds United as a club, we've completed the signing of under-17's goalkeeper. Is it Rory Mahardy, I think it's uh, mm. pronounced, um, from Celtic? Two-year scholarship. That's the that's the big transfer news. Is he standing up in this photo? <laughs> I don't think he's so. He's not very big for a goalie. There are there are seats in the shot, Moscow. There are yeah, seats. but he's sort of, he's either I'm, like I'm on pro- a booster cushion, so he's sitting about four feet, not four feet, but about a foot <laughs> off. <laughs> Massive booster cushion. Sitting a foot <laughs> off the cushion of the chair. Putting your kids on a four-foot booster cushion. The heads would be pressed against the car roof <laughs> and necks twisted. He's sort of like this, like hovering above the chair. I don't know what he would be at his... Uh, just either sit down or stand up. I mean, that's a decision-making key for a goalkeeper, isn't it? And this lad doesn't know whether he's sitting down, standing up, coming or going. What's he going to do be like when somebody throws a corner in at him? Because that's how they're so done, isn't it? So you're writing him off already then? Yeah, send him back. You should... Uh, Celtic can have him. Do a, do a compilation video. Of, well, uh, Scottish goalkeepers are famously rubbish. That's the other thing, isn't it? There's, mm. That's been the... Tradition. Neil, Sullivan, Neil Sullivan was kind of Scottish, wasn't he? Yeah, but, but not at all. And there have been some really exceptionally good Scottish goalkeepers over the years. But Jimmy Greaves will always tell you mm. Scottish goalkeepers are a joke, and we laugh at them. So um, it's a disrespect to Alan Martin, if anyone can remember him still. David Harvey, league one substitute goalkeeper. David Harvey, one of the greatest goalkeepers we've we've ever had. A fine uh, Scotsman, born in Leeds. Mm-hmm. That might have been the um, a bit like Liam Cooper. Mm. Mm. Just anyway, anyway. Uh, sure. Rory's a great yeah, goalkeeper. Up. He looks, he looks more, he looks agile at least. So I'll give him short but agile on and off that seat and indecisive. <laughs> Quick as you can. Uh... Maybe it's part of a training thing. He's keeping his uh, quads reflexes ready. Like he's just <laughs> he's ready toes. for pounce. He's like he's, a cat. He's seen a ball in the corner of the room, so he's just he's ready. We actually dropped him and he landed on his feet. Excellent. Do it. Uh, what football can we watch, Michael? Tell me. Leeds under twenty ones against Southampton. That's at Ellen Road on Friday. When's that? Friday the 16th. This Friday. This this month. This this Friday. When is it? Friday the 16th of September. Okay, when's that? (laughs) That's this Friday. Okay. So you can watch that at Ellen Road. Friday. With your eyes. This Friday. With your eyes. Yeah. Uh, I think season ticket holders are free and it's seven quid or something in and it's it's cheap. Yeah. And I'm guessing you might see some... Because you're allowed to play some first-teamers in this, aren't you? So Yeah. Might see uh, four overage players, and then how many of our first team is a mm. underage? I think we should just we should play as, as strong a team as humanly possible, just to keep them fit. I suspect he might. You know? I think. Mm. I think he would. I, I won't be surprised if you Brendan see Brendan Aronson can play. If you see Cooper and Bamford or someone, maybe get a bit of a, a run out in this yeah. to keep them fresh. But then you are blocking the fucking pathway. <laughs> <laughs> but the pathway has had to be diverted because of all these postponements. How are the under twenty? Another thing the FA did not consider: How is Max Dean going to develop if he can't play in this match? Mm-hmm. That's because not anyway, Pat Bamford, twenty-eight-year-old man. That's not good enough. I need to go on an away trip, Michael. Where else can I go? Well, if I want to watch any form of football you, whatsoever. Would you, would you rather go to Stockton on Tees or Crew? Um, now let's let's be fair. It's not Stockton. It's Norton and Stockton Ancients, and Norton has. Um, a village green and, oh, a good, and I've mentioned yeah. before good interchange as well mm-hmm. and uh, there's a pond there Norton High Street is quite uh, not 
almost posh. Why are we talking it's about not, no- why are we talking about Norton? Uh because Leeds United women are playing away at Norton and Stockton Ancients. It's not quite When? Uh, when? Uh Sunday, eighteenth of September. When's that? Two PM kickoff. It's coming up in just a matter of days. <laughs> Dan, do you know how calendars work? Yeah. It's not quite a yarm, mm. but it's kind of a a lo- it's like a less football y yarm. Oh, it's a long time since I've been to uh Norton. But the I have been to I've been to watch Leeds Ladies as was at Norton and Stockton Ancients and it's by the ground is by the um the old railway line, the, there's the junction box. The old there's, ancient. And uh, there's a pub there. Very good pub. Oh, so, what's the trip then? Yeah, it's not a bad trip. Great. That's that's not enough football for me. I need more. Why don't you go see some hot Papa John's action? Yeah. Away at crew. See, right. I forgot about all this. I thought we were getting some nice time off, but actually, this is too much. Match ball for Papa John's. Mm. Maybe. Away at crew. I, the last time I went to see Leeds at crew, Peter Sweeney was playing, making his debut, I think. Yeah. We won 1-0. When Dennis, is this? Dennis Wise was manager. When is this game anyway? Tuesday the 20th of September. When's that? It's Tuesday the 20th of September. <laughs> right, okay. So that's it's happening. the day after the 19th. And we're allowed to play some grown-ups in that as well, aren't we? Yeah, it's 21, same same vibes. Yeah. I, think you're, I know, because the other week, year, like Dean Whitehead played in it or something, he was about 40. Um, didn't, did Kiko Garcia play for us in the Papa John's? He may have done, actually, yeah. That yeah. might have been part of trying to get him to fuck off. Just being like, <laughs> We're going to send you. You're going to go with some children. Well, we didn't know is that he absolutely bloody loves pizza. <laughs> best best night of his Leeds career, that. Absolutely degrading him as much as possible. <laughs> but that's not it. The football doesn't stop there. I need more, Michael. Tell me where. where. Sunday 25th of September. When? <laughs> Sunday 25th of September. <laughs> do you don't have to do it every time. I, yeah, but I've got to see the joke through to the end. Now. Leeds women are away at York, which right. isn't as far. York's and, St John University Sports Park. That yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, don't go to York's new stadium. It isn't there. Mm. When, York, it, when there is a nice, game, when there is a game there, Friday the thirtieth of September. York. I mean, I was going to say York's a very. Hang on a minute. York's a very nice. It's a very nice town, isn't it? Is York? Mm. Is it Norton? Is it as nice as Norton? Well, we went for drinks there, didn't we, a month or two back? Um, and I think York is the perfect setting for thousands of marauding drunk Leeds fans mm. to go um, take some investment into the town. Okay. Famously, it probably you got could a... pop into Ben Fry's shop there, which is it's just off the shambles, isn't it? Yeah, his potion shop. Yeah. Like sort of Harry Potter theme, but without intruding on the intellectual property I'm, rights of J.K. <laughs> yeah, Rowling. Very much so. Yeah, him dressed as a little schoolboy, as he always was <laughs> at Ellen Road. You could argue in his um, his child-sized tracksuit. Uh, dear me, and he's a town crier as well as Ben, isn't he? Ben he Fry. Is. He does it all. Still beat me to that job. Still did. Yeah. <laughs> at least it doesn't hurt you to this day. This um, this hasn't. Uh, sated my desire for football, Michael. I need more. Just stay in York. Book a week there. Yeah, because that's, that's not cheap. Because that's Sunday the twenty fifth. Friday the 30th, yep. the under-21s are playing Just five, five, six solid days of drinking. Exactly. The under tw- there's hundreds of pubs to go yeah. out. Should we get an Airbnb and I'm being serious now? <laughs> for the full for a week. Probably quite hard to swing at home. Mm-hmm. Why, are you, why are you spending a week, 40 <laughs> minutes drive from our house to watch two football matches <laughs> with that your, I ordinarily probably wouldn't go to? With your mates? Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, the, the, that's at York City's ground, which I've still not been to their new sorry, ground when, yet. when's that? Friday the 30th of September. When? Friday the 30th of September. When? Yeah, I've not been to the new ground because it, it's out of town now and it yeah, saddens me. It used to be a, a nice little walk to Bootham. I mean, it was a shithole of a ground, it's worth saying. Hmm. But charming. Charming in a way, yes. A bit like the um, the West Stand. The, uh, the toilets without a roof on where you just piss on a wall was a particular highlight. That there. reminds me, yeah. Barnsley was like that, wasn't it? It was mm. the old wall piss. Barnsley didn't have the advantage of Kit Kats. Hot and cold coming out of the taps. 
<laughs> is that is that true? Mm, you just get uh, castrol feathers. Excellent. Um, I think that wraps it up for today, doesn't it? That's all your football. <laughs> you got five, look, you got five games to go out there. Absolutely remarkable. If you want to see Leeds? We managed to get forty minutes out of that. So well done, everybody. Good day's work. And uh, I guess we'll return anon. And we've got something else to talk well, about. We're going to be doing loads on the uh, extra ball, aren't we? Mm. Yeah. We're, um, we're scuttling away to uh, our, our subscribing friends. Yes, uh, we've resurrected our Championship Manager 0102 save. So that's the computer game, 20 years old. Uh, where Leeds had a really, really good team. But you'll know from um, that era, we never quite fulfilled our potential, did we? It all went tits up. So we're trying to right the wrongs of that era. Uh, avoid a massively bloated squad. Um, signing people like Seth Johnson people you don't need yeah. inflated wages that kind of thing so we're trying to go out there and win the Premier League which is what we failed to do at the time and it's. I think we're top at the minute aren't we in our, in our save we yeah, are but there's games in hand we were talking about uh, pathways just then I think it, you know it's interesting that we're coming across that situation even in the simulation where how do we manage Wayne Rooney Cristiano Ronaldo and Zlatan Ibrahimovic's path into our first team when it's already dominated by uh, Alan Shearer and Brett Olmerad of the, the, the central part. We've got eight. I'm so annoyed I've whacked the microphone. Um, 18-year-old Billy Painter trying to force his way into that team as well. And he mm. looks a, an incredible talent. Mm. But yeah, just... Um, and, and we're also keeping 36-year-old Don Goodman on trial just to punish him mm. for his bad commentary in later life. And we're keeping uh, Maxim Sigalko in the side, even though in real life he's died since we started playing this game. So the complications people don't realise when it's just like, oh, just get Joffy in the team. It's not that simple. You've mm. got so many things to consider and that's just the joy of uh, putting yourself in charge of a, a, a computer game football team. And there you go. That's over on the Extra Ball uh, this week. Have a look at that and we will speak to you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.